Talk Live. Welcome to the program. The phones are open if you want to join the show. You can do that. Yes, welcome. Welcome, my listeners. <laughs> yeah, and with you here tonight, you've got Ian. Beagles Mountaineer. And the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass Buckshot Esquire, if you will. It's going to be a different evening here tonight on Free Talk Live because Freer Talk Live, or an iteration of it, is coming back later tonight. You guys are doing kind of double duty here today. We've got a three-hour-long radio show. We'll take a maybe a half-hour-long break afterward. And then, uh, internet only, the show for the first time will premiere... Uh, and that is called Beard Talk Live. I like to think of it as a new tech exclusive. New tech exclusive. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've never heard that before. Well, I like that. Uh, it's uh, it's absolutely stolen from uh, uh, Styx Hexenhammer, I think is the name of uh, how you pronounce it. Hexenhammer. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, uh, Sounds metal. Yeah, he is a uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, libertarian, but not anarchist, uh, uh, center right, uh, but uh, very like a, a very good thinker. And uh, yeah, he so he primarily has a YouTube audience, but as I'm sure you're aware, there are a lot of things you can't talk about on YouTube anymore. Sure. So uh, whenever he has something, he's like, "Okay, I would like to tell you my thoughts on this." Uh, he just has what he calls a new tech exclusive, so he puts it out there on uh, Rumble and uh, Twitch, I think, and uh, certainly on Odyssey and Library. I'm going to go ahead and make the bold claim for Beard Talk Live that we have the most beard of any internet show. That's a, that's pretty, a very bold claim. That's a pretty big claim. I mean, there's a lot of internet shows out now, there these days. I'm, I'm making this claim because I'm kind of lazy and I figure that if we make the claim and somebody else is like, no, 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 dude, like this show over here has got more beard, then I'll be like, okay, that's fine. But until somebody proves us wrong, I'm making the claim. Well, ideally, I would like to see this uh, settle out in a beard off. A beard Ooh, off. And yes, what does that look like? Off. Or is it a beard down? <laughs> what, what is a beard off? I mean, how does that work? Well, we, we would have to compare the overall beardiness mm-hmm. of some other show to ours. Oh, that's true. And we were just briefly discussing this before the show. How do you compare? Is it volume? Is it length? Is it all of the above? I is would it gray? you'd have to average out the categories. So, mm-hmm. so length would be a category. Uh, yeah. Mass, pure Pure mass would would be one category. Density, right. uh, density. Well, mm-hmm. well, we got to have style points too, because mm-hmm. like some of us have true. more style than others, and like I know he's got two braids rolling, right? Plus, mine is a goatee, right? It's a traditional goatee for mm-hmm. sure, but mm-hmm. it is like bordering pretty, pretty on mega. ZZ, ZZ yeah. top proportions at this point yeah. in my life. So for sure. And then, and then the other guy, he's no beard slouch himself. The third nobody will yes. be joining us later tonight, as long uh, as he remembers. <laughs> he was promoting it last night on okay. the Friday show, right. so, I think, right. so he I think he's pretty excited Sweet. about this. He was, he was plugging it. Nice. I appreciated yeah. it. So uh, that'll be tonight. You can watch it live at video.freetalklive.com. That's our Odyssey channel. It'll be on the other platforms that we stream on, but at any moment, I don't know which one of them are carrying us and which one of them are, but we're always on video.freetalklive.com. We actually have a special guest to start the show out tonight. And then, Let's do it. And then coming up later, uh, you're going to talk about Info Warriors, Captain, for either the World Economic Forum or the UN. We'll find out more about that. Or if you put them together, they're wee fun. It doesn't sound like much fun to me, but uh, this hopefully will be an uh, interesting discussion. They fund a lot of things that with are a free stater. His name is Ian Underwood. He's one of the earlier movers for wait, the Free State wait, Project. Can we have two Ians on the show without time warping? We'll see. Okay. Ian, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure uh, having you here. Welcome. Uh, when did you and Jody move up here for the Free State Project? 2007. 2007. Okay, 2000. And I hear her feeding you answers in the your producer <laughs> yeah. in the that's in the really background. Kind of- it's the kind of thing I would keep track of. Well, you know, if you're going to be part of a, if you're going to be a married couple, there's no sense in storing all of it in one brain. I right. mean, exactly. So you guys moved here. You're some of the earlier movers. 2007 is just a few years after the Free State Project chose New Hampshire. For listeners that don't know, uh, the Free State Project is a migration of libertarian, voluntarist, liberty-loving anarchist activists who are coming to one geographic area, in this case, a pretty small geographic area, and that's New Hampshire. You guys chose uh, Croydon, which is a small town. It's Grafton County. Is that where it is? It's Sullivan County. Sullivan, okay. Not quite that far north. Uh, it's small town, population? Around 700. 700 people. That. And, yeah. you know, I know you've got a book that you've written about the 14th Amendment. I want to get into that coming up here, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that maybe heard something earlier this year about <laughs> yeah. Croydon. And you've got Democrats who've been crowing about this is the big defeat for the free staters, that Croydon was the big smackdown, uh, proving that the free staters have no political influence or strength here, even though, on the other hand, the Democrats are constantly complaining that the free staters have taken over the state house. It's hard to really believe what they're saying, but they, they count this amongst their greatest victories. And... What happened, as I understand it, was you came to a town meeting, and in New Hampshire, town meetings are kind of where all the big decisions get made. Can you summarize for our listeners what is a town meeting and why do they matter? Because not everywhere has these things. They certainly didn't happen in Florida, where I come from. So what is a town meeting? And, and by the way, these don't happen in the cities in New Hampshire, only in the in the towns. And there's mostly towns. Right. So there's cities, and there's SB2 towns, and then there's towns, and we're just a town. Okay. Wait, there's and what towns? SB2. It's a Senate Bill 2, and that is a way to—it was a bill that was put forth to let some towns take some of the power out of the hands of the people who attend the town meeting mm-hmm. by setting up—you have to have a meeting beforehand and decide what will be on the ballot. But in a town meeting, like the one we have, the ones that a lot of towns have, uh, you get together to vote on what you're going to do, and mostly to vote on budget items. So the rules are that if there is uh, what's called a warrant article, and that is of the usually of the form, shall the town raise and appropriate a certain amount of money to do a certain thing, mm-hmm. right? Shall we appropriate $300,000 to fix a bridge? Shall we appropriate $100,000 to make a playground? Whatever. And so the school district... So the school district and the town are two different political entities, and they have their own meetings. So the school district typically will have a warrant article that says, you know, shall the town appropriate $1.7 million to fund the schools and pay for tuitioning or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the rules are you can't change the subject. So you couldn't come in and say, oh, let's change that to say, shall the town allocate $1.7 million to build a swimming pool? You're not allowed to do that. Okay. What you can do is change any number. <laughs> so that's what I did. I suggested that instead of 1.7 million, we have 800,000 as the number. Now, before and somebody out there listening thinks, oh, that's a drastic cut, because it's about 50%. <laughs> when you did the, the math on the 1.7 million and you divided that by the number of students going to the school, 
What did it come out to per student, what they were proposing? Well, it was actually the, the, that amount that I proposed. And what I proposed was $10,000 per student. And I said $10,000 per student should be enough. And I explained that, you know, there are lots of uh, other, like the, the state says it only costs $3,700 to educate a student. Right. And there are, you know, private schools that charge 9000 or less. There is VLAX, which is free. There are charter schools, which are also public schools, but they only get $7,500 from the state. So I basically said 10000 You can't make a serious argument that $10,000 isn't enough. But just to clarify, they were proposing approximately $20,000 per student. Yeah. More. Yeah, more yeah. than that, yeah. actually. So but, you came in and said, how about 10? It's still more than what everybody else is spending, even local private schools. And you proposed this at this meeting. It was the first time this had come up, right? Like you didn't have anything that you didn't send out a mailer to households or anything. You just. Right. I didn't. It's, it's worth noting, though, that and you can see this in the, the minutes of the previous year's uh, meeting. Mm hmm. That I stood up at the end after everything had been done and I said, you know, going forward, I want to propose that instead of budget, you start using the word ransom. <laughs> All right, uh, Ian, stand by. We're going to continue the story here in moments. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. The whole Croydon situation is really interesting because it started as a tremendous victory. Yes. And then the status came out of the woodwork and we'll find out what the story is from somebody who was at the, uh, the center of it all here in moments point is we got a ways to go here in new hampshire we need more people here more it is free talk live phones are open kinda like when we have a guest on the show normally we restrict calls to only for the guests so if you do have a question for Ian Underwood, he's an author. We're going to talk about his book here in a little bit. He's also a Free State Project early mover, having moved here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project in 2007. They moved into a little town called Croydon. And earlier this year, Croydon started making headlines for cutting its budget, the school board budget specifically, by approximately 50% after a... I would say is a very successful town meeting uh, that Ian Underwood made this proposal. He's kind of regaling us with that story because it takes a turn and a turn for the worst. We'll we'll get into what happened here uh, in just a moment. But I do want to let you know about bullionmax.com slash FTL. You know, something about free staters and liberty-oriented people is they really understand alternatives to the dollar. And gold and silver, precious metals are historically wonderful alternatives to government money they have kept up with inflation very successfully over decades over generations and now bullionmax.com can help you diversify into gold and silver uh, they've got security for your family in times of crisis you can buy direct from bullionmax.com without talking to a salesperson and your precious metal ship fully insured directly to your home it's fast it's easy and we have a special offer to get you started they will give you bullionmax.com silver starter kit at employee pricing when you go to bullionmax.com slash ftl and that kit includes five ounces of the most desirable silver products including the 2022 silver american eagle a buffalo round and a buffalo silver bar you can go and learn more about it and get yours only one per household by the way uh, that's the limit on this you go to bullionmax.com slash ftl we go back to ian underwood uh calling us from i presume his home in croydon uh 
luckily they haven't burned you from house and home at this point, Ian, because a lot of the status in town rose up and they were livid after they found out that you had successfully persuaded the people at the town meeting to vote at said town meeting to reduce the school budget from roughly uh, $1.7 million to around eight or $900,000. Is that right? Yeah, 800000 But so I, I want to make a, a little correction to what you're saying, because this is one of the things that's misunderstood. Everybody talks about it as if I wanted to cut the budget. If you cut a budget, it means you basically just keep doing the same thing and start looking for things you can trim. And that's not, not what I was doing. I was doing two things. One, so I, I had handed out a pamphlet called Ransom or Budget, and I was trying to change the flow in which control went. Rather than saying, we're going to sit here, the district will come to us and make a demand, and we either basically you know, go along with the demand or we lose our home. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say instead, you know, that's a ransom. A budget is when we tell you what we think we can afford and what we want to pay, and then you make it work. So the idea was never that we will cut the budget by by taking the existing approach and just looking for things to drop. The idea was always to pick a number that was reasonable and clearly reasonable given what everybody else has been doing and for how much. Things we never hear from politicians. Yeah, build from the ground up, figure out what it is we're trying to do. And the whole point of this, which has been totally lost in all the discussion, is they think, oh, this is just about money. It's not about money. It's about actually having, and this this was in the pamphlet that I handed out. It's actually about forcing certain questions to actually be addressed, which are never addressed. Like, like what? Why are we doing? Like why are we doing this in the first place? What is the purpose of having tax-funded education? Right. Well, that's a Nobody great question. Nobody actually ever talks about that. Yeah, I've and been asking the question I, recently. Why does the Department of Education deserve any money when one in five children or one in five uh, high school graduates are illiterate? Oh, it's higher than that. So it's 40%. Jeez. It was 20% uh, a year ago when I first uh, <laughs> so, learned uh, of the topic. That's how you measure it, right? The, the, the mm-hmm. figure that's been stable for a long time is use this NAEP test, the National Assessment of Educational Process and Progress, and you um, look at essentially what percentage of kids are at the most basic level of proficiency and then proficiency and then, you know, high proficiency, whatever. And only 40% have reached basic proficiency, which means are they literate? Well, they can probably sound out words. They can actually maybe, you know, read a a complex sentence in two minutes. But, you know, those are words that are, so those, and the thing about proficiency is that is the test that the education establishment said, this is what you should use to judge us. Okay. So okay, <laughs> that's how well they're doing. Okay, so it's a um, a broad versus a less broad definition of the word. Well, yeah, and, and, it's, and so, it's by their own metrics. So they're like, right. judge by us by metrics. these criteria, and by these yeah. criteria, well, you guys have a forty percent failure right. rate so far. Yeah. No, it's a forty percent success rate. Oh, jeez. It's a sixty percent failure rate. Wow. Yeah, so, so why do they by deserve their own preferred metric? Right. It's so, a sixty percent. So why isn't right? that entire thing just demolished? I mean, if you fail, well, you well, have to pay so more money. You got to give them more money, Captain, and no, then they don't. can make it yeah, work. The problem right. is that we're not paying teachers enough, don't you know? Yeah. So one of the things that I presented in this pamphlet that I handed out, by the way, was essentially you know decades of data that said, look, we we keep spending more, and achievement has stayed flat. Mm. Right. So the first one. I, 
I'm always surprised that people haven't seen this, but Andrew Coulson, the late Andrew Coulson, put together a graph for Cato that showed that in index inflation, in index for inflation between 1970 and around 2010, spending per student tripled. And you look at the NAEP scores, and they're absolutely flat. If anything, they've reduced. That's pretty clear then that more money does not equal any better performance. Yeah, yeah this is it one of those worse. situations where you simply do not get what you pay for. And mm-hmm. didn't didn't right. John Taylor Ghetto point out something similar about like all this money is being dumped into education and yet everybody's you know measurable measurables are right. you know staying static or in, or getting worse. Yeah. So it, and so then there's a second graph that I produced, which is essentially it shows all the states and what they pay versus the scores they're getting. And the interesting things are there's no correlation. So the, the states that spend $6,000 get a, a, the same results more or less as the states that spend 20, mm-hmm. wow. right? And so, and the, and the thing is none of the states are actually succeeding according to what you would call a, you know, not even succeeding, but not even failing. Wow. All states are failing. New Hampshire is failing a little less badly than most other states. So that's the second thing to notice is it, it apparently doesn't really matter what you spend. You spend 6000 you can spend 20000 you get the same result. But here's the one that, that really just blows my mind. If you plot every district in New Hampshire, you have a plot showing what they spent, in, an, in again, adjusted for inflation. You look at what they spent in 1998 before the Claremont decision, and you look at what they're spending now. Every district. You can draw a line, a horizontal line there where every district in 1998 is below it, except Waterville Valley, which is just an anomaly. And every district in 2020 is above it, which means every district now is a rich district in terms of spending. Hmm. Every single one. There is no district that isn't spending more than the, the richest, most you know, favored, wealthiest districts were spending before. So, and they're still well, getting crap test scores. Well, and that figures because, I, I mean, if you talk to yeah. anyone about uh, about New Hampshire, one thing that comes up all the time is how bad the, the property taxes are. Oh, yeah, sure. and it's right. mostly going to schools. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Or is it? So, you know, we, we basically spend, on average, the district will spend $10,000 more. It went from 5000 to $15,000, again, adjusted for inflation. You, and my point is, you could go back to 5000 and it wouldn't change it. And stand by. We're going to continue the discussion here. We'll find out what happened after this budget that went number go down passed. And boy, did people get riled up. We'll talk about what happened on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com It is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Although, right now, if you're going to call into the show, you should have a question for Ian Underwood. He is one of the Free State Project early movers. He moved in 2007 here to New Hampshire as part of the Liberty Migration that has been going on for almost two decades at this point. And got active in a little town called Croydon, where earlier this year he convinced a town meeting to 
reduce the proposed budget because they always propose an increase every single year. That's that's what they do. They always bring to the voters saying, well, the budget's going to increase this much by default. We'd like to increase it this much. Yeah. Which one do you want? The one that increases it X or the one that increases it Y? That's usually the only choice you get at these at these meetings. One of the things I forget to point out more frequently than I do is that government as a whole, right, the, the concept of it, has no mechanism for reduction. Right. Generally not. It doesn't exist. There's yeah. not like... I mean, the, if you, you have know. enough people, you can get that done. For instance, they have uh, they have actually yes, reduced but, the budget in the uh, But New a Hampshire system should have a set of rules for reduction. For example, all of the time growing up through the 70s, 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. on TV, in the newspaper, you'd always hear about, well, an ancient law from 1747 in the tiny town of blah, blah, tax or whatever, yeah. right, is still on the books and still applies. Why? Right. It's completely irrelevant, but the system itself has no way to check for that, to check for relevancy, to check and see no, if these are necessary. It is designed to get bigger. There's, yeah, that's these a systems fact. always move in one direction and not the other. Like, right. you are required to get together for the purpose of passing laws this often. So you're going to pass... There's going to be this much of an increase in laws, but there's no mechanism for automatically getting rid of these things. It's a giant tick sucking blood until it explodes. No doubt. I want to bring Ian back on here, but I do want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. It's a place where you can go to learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. You just click Get Started at the top of the page and begin your cryptocurrency odyssey and start learning the basics about crypto you just watch the first video if you only got a few minutes it only takes you about three if you got more time dig in deeper because it is a pretty interesting discussion but you you should understand some of the basic concepts before you actually get into and and purchase some which you can also do through bitcoin.com once again that's bitcoin.com ian underwood is with us here so you had a tremendous success at this town meeting, can you recall what was the percentage of the meeting that actually voted for your proposal to move forward with a roughly eight or nine hundred thousand dollar budget for the school board as opposed to their proposed one point seven million? Well, the final vote there were around forty something people at the meeting. Mm-hmm. The final vote was twenty four, so a smaller budget, and uh, 20, and fourteen against. Okay. Ransom. Is that a typical so, sized turnout for those town meetings or lower or is. higher? Okay. It is absolutely typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went back and looked at, we have, you know, the minutes and, and reports in the last several meetings and it is absolutely typical. So it's being reported as nobody showed up, but mm-hmm. it's, it's right there solidly in the middle. Yeah, the the leftist uh, media is reporting it as though you guys were lying in wait for a low attendance meeting, and then you struck. But that's not at all what I've, what happened. I've been accused of making it snow. Wow, <laughs> that's a neat superpower. That's a cool power, yeah. yeah. All right, know, so you had this tremendous victory. It started getting uh, talked about in the Liberty Circles here in New Hampshire. It was getting promoted like, wow, look at this tremendous uh, win for freedom in Croydon. Congratulations. Everybody's patting each other on the back. And then all of a sudden, the uh, the status rallied the troops, and they got the word out big time, and they, they, they did their digging through whatever code uh, statutes, and they found some kind of statute that allowed them to call for a recall, basically, or call for a redo. Uh, what happened there? So that the, the statute says it's a, you can have a special meeting to raise more money, and that's what they did. So they said, we need more money. Let's have a special meeting. They uh, came to the school board. They set a date, and then it the race was on, and it was just a matter of 
could they convince enough people to go? And so the, the law itself is written in a, a kind of odd way. And it says that if you're going to have this meeting, the results of the meeting don't count unless 50% of the registered voters in the town cast ballots, which raises the question, well, how do you get that 50% number? And the statutes pretty clearly say it's 50% of the people at the last town meeting, right? Mm -hmm. That's the number that you're going to use. But since people were getting very agitated about this, you suddenly had a flood of people coming in saying, I need to vote at this special meeting. Can I, can I go ahead and register to vote? People who had never registered to vote mm -hmm. suddenly were very interested. And so there was a whole big uh, thing that went on where the Secretary of State and the Attorney General's office got on a phone call, which was recorded, which said, you know, they, they started the meeting saying, we are... Uh, we, we took an oath to you know, apply the law as it's written and not as we wish it to, as we wish it were written. And then they spent the rest of the meeting talking about how the law should be applied the way they wished it would mm. be written. And that they should just ignore certain things like saying, yeah, when you update a list, that's not the same as adding things to it. When you correct, correction and addition are two different things. And they're like, don't worry about that. That's archaic. Um, you know, and it, it was so... Basically, what happened was... We'll slap that with an adjective, people. and that means it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was really an unbelievable thing to listen to. But anyway, mm. so they, they went out and they got the word out. But what really happened is there was, you know, I hate to use the word, but there was just a, a boatload of uh, misinformation mm -hmm. where they simply, fall, they, they just misstated the positions that the school board... That's a take. nice way of saying lied about. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, lied about is, is more accurate. Um, well, what were some polite. of the things they were saying? Because they were trying to rile, uh, rile the town up, uh, get the townspeople to turn against this decision and get them out to this special election. So how were they right. persuading them? So they were. So one of the things is we have a, a little building we call Little Red, which is a, it's characterized as a single room, a one-room schoolhouse, but it isn't really... And they were claiming that the school board wanted to shut it down. So the school board, by the way, didn't didn't ask for this. They were suddenly put on the spot. They're like, well, we have 800000 We better figure out what we can do for that, which is exactly what they should have been doing. Mm -hmm. So right. they said, well, the people in the town were like, or the, the stand-up for Croydon people were like, they're going to close that school. And they weren't. They were explicitly were saying, we're going to just use it in a different way. They were told that there would be deficit spending required. And the school board was like, well, there won't be. There might be some deficit spending required for special ed, but we can do this for, you know, we can do regu regular education for the budget that you gave us. They were told um, that taxes would go up, which is amazing because wow. spending was going to go down. If we don't spend so were, more money, we'll have to pay yeah. more taxes. <laughs> right. If, if we spend less money, taxes are going to go up, and then people won't want to move here because derp, people derp, hate derp. to live in low-tax towns. So these were the kinds of things that they were going around wow. saying. And most of it turned out to be, though, that these horrible free staters just want to destroy everything and they want to kill the town. So it, it really, that the lies... Yep, that's our motivation for sure. ...they were spreading was really, a lot of it was just factually incorrect and it, and it completely contradicted what the school board had been saying. How were but they the go end, how were they going about this? Were was there a direct mail campaign? Were they going door to door, uh pick you know, yard signs, all of the above? What did you it, see or what did you hear about? 
Oh, it was all of the above. I mm-hmm. mean, they actually got funding. We don't know yet who supplied that funding. Mm. I think we expect wow. State Progress, the NEA. Yeah, the NEA, Granite State Progress, and the NEA is NEA. the National Education Association. Is that yeah. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the union, so the teachers' was, union. Yeah, they don't want anyone else getting this idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, they they totally didn't. They were running television ads. They handed television out television ads. Wow. Yeah. Well, the free staters so they, really are having an impact. Did right? they manage to get yeah. any of the students out and looking sad, holding signs at the side of the road? They they did that at the special meeting. Oh they brought God. students up on stage, yeah. and they they did a uh, a local the Newport High School has a local cable station run by high school students, and they had a, a round table where they were the students were talking about how awful this was. We're going to continue here in moments. So, Ian Underwood is with us talking about the uh, the Croydon debacle, uh, for lack of a better term. It's a tragic situation. The Croydon crime. Uh, it was a big turnaround where people came out to vote against what some of them voted for. Uh, just a few weeks prior to that. There's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're here on the live Saturday show. If you want to join us, I prefer if you have a question for Ian Underwood, or we'll, we'll make you wait until he's gone. Uh, but after that, we'll be at our normal open phones format here. The number is 603-283-6160. We're talking about a win and then a loss in Croydon for the freedom-minded folks who successfully, at a town meeting, a standard size, normal attendance town meeting, these things happen every year in towns across New Hampshire, and there's, I think, over 200 yeah. towns in New Hampshire uh, these meetings happen, and decisions get made about budgets. And in this case, a decision was made to have a smaller, uh, significantly smaller school board budget. Uh, and the, some of the people in the town didn't like that, so they started a propaganda campaign. And they got the word out pretty successfully, and the words being dishonesty and, and misinformation being spread uh, all around town. And they managed to get a bunch of people to show up to overturn this decision, basically, and refund or go back to the proposed $1.7 million budget for the school board instead of the 800-some thousand that had been approved at the town meeting. We're going to bring uh, Ian back on here, but I do want to also say thank you to Ellen Blanchard, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. Uh, Ellen is a gold level supporter. She's doing nice. at least 10 bucks a month. We only ask for five. So thank you, Ellen, for that. You can go to amps.freetalklive.com and you can get signed up there at our uh, Patreon. And if you like what we do here on Free Talk Live, you want to hear it on more radio stations, you want more people to find the ideas of freedom, then please, you can support us as Ellen has done at amps.freetalklive.com. And you get some perks as well. Ian Underwood is back with us here from his home in Croydon. Uh, you were talking about how at this meeting to basically increase the budget that had already been decreased that the status in town were spending a lot of money trying to promote uh, outside money coming from major leftist organizations like the national education association apparently uh that they they had to turn out more than 50 percent of the town's voting population in order to have whatever happened, whatever the vote was at this meeting, count. Is that correct? Did I understand you correctly on that? Yes, that's correct. Uh, They actually had to cast ballots. I mean, they would count the ballots, and if the total number of ballots, yes and no, was greater than that number, which started out at 283, um, 
then if it was less than that, then it just wouldn't count. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be binding. It wouldn't matter what the result was. And um, there were there's only you said there's only 700 people in the town, excluding children who obviously can't vote. There's probably several hundred registered voters, uh, I would guess, right? Five or six hundred, something like that. I'm just guessing. There were, it was uh, five. Yeah, it was uh, 283 times two, so it was 565 okay. registered voters at the time. By the end of all this, it was closer to. 600 something because they were but, registering people to vote who uh, had never yeah. registered to vote so they could bring yeah. as many people out as and possible. only the new registers uh not right. only but the new registered people were the ones who heard about this camp through the campaign correct right. yeah right correct. and so one of the wrinkles there is the the number of registered voters went up but that 583 the official number didn't go up so now uh, you know it was 283 sorry it um they they still only needed 283, even though they had 70. To but that said, votes. they did turn apparently, uh, what was it, over 300 came out to vote? Three, yeah, 377 to wow. two final vote. So and they would have gotten it. So, they would have gotten it. They would have gotten it, clearly. But yeah. what's interesting is that's being reported as like the whole town wanted it. And what we did, we sent out a single mailer. And that mailer basically said, look, we're going to, you know, the school board's going to keep the school open. Your taxes will go down. There won't be any deficit spending. Just laid out essentially what the school board had been saying and said, if you if you like your budget, you can keep it. Just stay home. So the final, I mean, essentially the people who voted no didn't show up and vote no because mm-hmm. that would have just helped their cause. They stood up. So 40% of the voters, so this is really, you know, 377 to 300, not 377 to 2. Um, yeah, and of course, the p- the media who's been reporting this has been dancing on the grave saying, oh, look, only two people, only right. Ian Underwood and his wife showed up, the only free staters, they're there voting right. against this, and everybody else in town came to show their support, and, and then they don't report the fact that you were encouraging your supporters and the supporters Absolutely. of the, the lower budget to just stay home. In hindsight, do you think that was the right approach? Um, in hindsight, uh, I, I think it would have been better to have those people show up and simply not take ballots and make everybody and make the people who wanted to take their money actually look at them while they did it. Mm, right. I think that mm. probably would have been smarter. Yep. Um, it, it was probably easier for them to just say, let's just take the money because look, there's no opposition. Um, so yeah, that would have been. It uh, is. It is so sickening better. to me to see that occur. To see you know a reasonable budget proposed, it get voted on, it get accepted, and then because somebody's butt hurt, they got to launch a media campaign. You know, find some sort of back way through the laws to you know, oh, do over, do over, mm-hmm. right, and then get yeah. their way, and then celebrate it, right. The the part that bugs me the most is the the apparent celebration by these people of ah, this win take that these yeah. people trying to make us free and well, let us keep our money to yeah. them it's all about the children right they're like oh our my, job is to steal money for these kids yeah who will babysit our kids for us and indoctrinate them without this money right mm-hmm. yeah i mean so the the really to me the sad thing was that in all the coverage if you look at all the coverage there were essentially three people in town who were actually trying to talk about education. And that was me, my wife, Jody, who was on the school board and mm-hmm. second school board member. 
everybody else was talking about things like sports and socialization and are we going to have, are you going to pick up our kids on Wait, the bus and where are we going to put them while we go out and work? Sports? Oh, the, the, the fringe benefits of public education, yeah. if you right. will, if right. you even want to call them that. He's talking uh, about. You know. See, no one can play soccer or football unless there's a government school around. <laughs> oh, exactly. right. right. People just couldn't possibly come together on their own to organize a game right. or a league or something Kids like that. Kids certainly yeah, can't I, learn I, to socialize around adults and like other families. It's totally impossible. They have to go to public school for these things. Yeah, I remember when you had to do like fundraisers if you wanted to do like, uh, like you know, have a football team or something like that like they would send yeah. the football players out and have them sell coupon books and right. things like that to Chocolate raise bars, the funds yep, popcorn right to raise the funds for your extracurricular activities oh, now they're just pointing guns at taxpayers instead so it's a lot yeah. easier that way it uh, is um it is a lot easier. Do you think um, that, Ian, do you think this is going to come to a rematch uh, coming up at the next town meeting? Are you expecting a big push on both sides for a unusually large turnout? Do you think people are going to forget about it by then? Uh, what, what's your prediction? My prediction is that the people who have been mobilized are going to stay mobilized. Mm-hmm. They're already about to have a big celebratory picnic. You know, they're like, we have to make sure this never happens again. So I think that it isn't going to happen necessarily in Croydon. And also one of the lessons was that a lot of the people who didn't show up didn't show up because they were feeling intimidated. You know, the Mm -hmm. the people calling them up were, you know, essentially yelling at them for not supporting what they wanted. So I don't think I don't think this is going to happen in Croydon. My hope is, though, that other towns will see that it is possible and will be better prepared. Right. You know, I mean, in our case, looking back, I mean, if I could change one thing, it would be this. The fact that I made this proposal actually is what ended up sinking it because it became a personal referendum on free staters. Mm. If I had had the foresight to have somebody else in town, you know, essentially somebody who had no, you know, perceived axe to grind, just stand up and make the same proposal, we would have gotten the same vote and it would not have become that kind of contest. Well, I think so, that one. Well, hold on. I think that actually cuts both ways. So, I mean, uh, yeah. it, sure. There's the downside of uh, of uh, all these free staters are trying to take away our sacred institutions. But there is also something to be said. Uh, so I was listening to this uh, uh, interview with uh, Jeremy Kaufman, and he had pointed out uh, one of the things he'd heard is someone saying, well, you know, I don't mind libertarians, but these free staters, you know, I heard about how they cut this budget. And it's <laughs> wow. like. Oh, well, he, no, this is a very telling statement. They don't mind libertarians because they're used to libertarians never getting anything done, mm-hmm. never affecting <laughs> any change whatsoever. So someone comes along like you and actually makes a real, positive, liberating, nonviolent change, that sticks in people's craw because you're actually making the world better instead of just, you know, being this uh, this pretend uh, uh escape valve for our discontent yeah and one battle doesn't win the war i will say i will agree i think uh, in basis that there's no real such thing as bad publicity so you doing what you did did result in some publicity Mm -hmm. for the free staters and for the fact that libertarians you know are getting things done and i think that's a positive a net positive no doubt uh ian Sorry, stand by. Uh, you're going to continue with us here in, in just a little bit. we got hour number two on the way. We're going to talk about you wrote a book, at least one, maybe more than one, I think. Uh, but there's one that you want to talk about with, in regards to the 14th Amendment. Now, a lot of people probably don't know off the top of their head which one that is. We'll talk about it on the way. Hour two is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. As inflation surpasses another 40-year high, the U.S. dollar continues to weaken. 
Savvy investors are diversifying into gold and silver, and you can also own the most stable assets in recorded history with bullionmax.com. Bullionmax.com is a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver. It's security for your family in times of crisis. Buy direct from bullionmax.com without talking to a salesperson, and your precious metals ship fully insured directly to your home. It's fast and easy. Free Talk Live has a special offer to get you started. Get bullionmax.com silver starter kit at employee pricing. Just go to bullionmax.com slash FTL. This kit includes five ounces of the most desirable silver products, including a 2022 Silver American Eagle, a Buffalo Round, and a Buffalo Silver Bar. This offer is limited to one per household, so get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com slash FTL. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Phones will be open soon. We still have Ian Underwood with us here, so if you do have a question for him, uh, you can call in at 603-283-6160. In fact, we do actually have a question uh, caller on the line for Ian, who has uh, been very gracious with his time tonight here, having spent the first hour with us, talking about what happened in Croydon, New Hampshire, which is where he lives. He's a Free State Project early mover, having moved here with his wife Jody in 2007. And we haven't even mentioned Bardo Farm, by the way, which probably deserves a, a big uh, shout-out here, because, Ian, you are... Is it correct to say that you guys are some of the founding members of Bardo Farm? Yes, we are. We all we own it with Neil and Emily Smith, but they do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> and it must be a lot of work, because you guys... Uh, Bardo Farm is at... All of the events. It's, yes. It's at uh, every, uh, what do they call them, the market days that yep. happen mm-hmm. across the state where people trade and buy and sell various different homemade kind of craft items and foods and things like that. Uh, can you just mention real fast what is Bardo Farm? What was the vision there and, and how's it been going? Um, the vision was was effectively to be more of a, a school thing, but the farm itself is, is really – it started out um, – we're trying to find the right words for this, but uh, one of the things they started doing was getting stuff that would just get thrown away, actually doing something useful with it, feeding it to pigs and then mm-hmm. using what comes back out of the pigs as to improve the soil. And so they're really about, you know, cutting down on waste and making awesome food. Um, you know, the, and their tagline is happy animals taste better. So nice. They sure they, do. They try to keep the animals happy. <laughs> Yeah, we've got some Bardo meats here in the the freezer right now. I think I'm, you do too, Captain. I right? do. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Whenever Bardo is at the market days, I'm always buying stuff. Uh, Emily, you know, knows me, and uh, I'm trying to remember the other guy that shows up on occasion. He's got like initial. Oh no, it's Duck. That's the other guy. Duck. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Bardo yep. meats do not last that long in my freezer. That I, that's why I don't have any. <laughs> so yeah, it's cool because yeah. it's fe- it's really literally feeding uh, the freedom community in a lot of ways. So well, it's and it's cool. it's that whole like community building thing, right? There is a mm-hmm. a resource that has been part of the folks who love freedom, part of their community. They built a thing. And they have a product that, you know, they are trading with other freedom-loving people. And I think that is really a huge, important part of what's going on here in New Hampshire, that community building. Yeah, it is. And part of that community building, by the way, is, I mean, we have people who come by and we will show them how to do things. We'll show them how to harvest the chicken. We'll show them how to fence in pigs or raise animals or whatever. I mean, it's not just about 
providing the food, but sort of the, the bigger vision is to get people to produce their own food, to rely on themselves more. So we spent the first hour talking about what happened in Croydon with the school board vote that reduced the budget. A bunch of people came out after that and they rallied the status troops. They lied to a bunch of the townspeople and they came out and they got them to essentially undo uh, what had happened at the town meeting. And I think we actually have a call on this. Uh, maybe it's about this. I don't. I didn't ask him what the, his question was exactly. But uh, Bad Slave is calling from somewhere else in New Hampshire. Uh, Bad Slave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Underwood. Hi, and it's uh, great to speak with you. Uh, I don't know if you've seen my postings here and there uh, that are um, uh, dealing with uh, home learning and private schools and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the the right answer to uh, education and public schools are... Uh, decidedly the absolute wrong answer. And mm-hmm. One of the reasons that that showed up in serious uh, contrast is the, the whole COVID debacle. Mm-hmm. I, it, it was a it was a state organized uh, destruction of the economy of of you know everybody's saying oh we got to get the kids back in school and and I'm just saying no no let's not do that and and as a result of the covid thing that they actually lost uh, a, a a lot of students a lot of that the largest uh, my understanding is the largest uh changeover to uh home learning uh has occurred. Uh, it doesn't surprise me one bit. I mean, for one thing, people and, actually uh, got to look at how terrible that? the education program is. Right. And they realized they could do it themselves. Right. You know, they went, now that they were kind of forced to, to some extent, and, and yeah, they stayed like, wait, with wait, it. Right. That's all you're learning? Oh, wow. Uh, I want to get Ian's opinion on that. Uh, Ian, go ahead. I know that your wife, Jody is on the school board there. Did y'all see in Croydon a reduction, uh, kind of a permanent uh, reduction in the amount of students there? After COVID? It's a small town, so statistically not much has happened. We have seen some people who are now interested in uh, going to the kind of micro schools that the school board was proposing using or learning co-ops or just uh, withdrawing their students. But it's, again, it's, it's hard to say anything statistically significant in a town with that small uh, a sample size. We do know that um, we have friends who are... We like, never shut our schools. We didn't require masks. Right, yeah. Um, Jody wanted to go ahead and restate what she said because she I can kind of hear her, but yeah, we did not shut our school down and we did not require math. Wow, Um, okay, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, it was you know, we it was very much uh business as usual for us, but I do know that there is uh across the state at least a lot of people, as you said, are having seen what's going on, have decided that maybe that's not the best thing for their kids. Right. And there's also um, something else that's been interesting. And thank you, Bad Slave, for the call tonight. Uh, something else that's been developing in just the last, I think, year or so in New Hampshire was they passed something called education savings accounts mm-hmm. at the state level. 
And that, as I understand it, has allowed parents. Uh, th- there's a certain income requirement that you have to you have to be below basically to take advantage of it. Um, but has allowed a lot of parents. In fact, they filled the program as, as I'm as I've heard. Uh, allowed parents to essentially indicate to the state that they're going to be taking care of their own education with kids. Maybe take them to a private school or doing homeschooling or unschooling, and they basically get cut a check from this education savings account program. Uh, to cover the costs, or there, as much as possible, yeah. up to a certain amount of thousand dollars, uh, thousands of dollars per year. Is are you aware of that uh, program? And can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I'm aware of the program. Um, I believe the amount is some percentage of the adequacy money, which is around thirty-seven hundred dollars per mm-hmm. student. And the idea is, you know, that the money follows the student, which is not actually true. Um, there are some. There are some. I personally have some problems with it, but you know the people who are promoting it are saying, "Look, anything we can do to get kids to get out of the public schools is a good thing," and you know I'm on board with that. Yep. Yeah, I think all of us want to see an end uh, to government forced. Uh, monopolized education systems, and if this can help some parents get out sooner rather than later, then it seems yeah, that, like a good uh, thing overall. And, and this is one of those yeah. topics where very reasonable and uh, consistent libertarians will still disagree with each other on, uh, you know, what kind of educational programs will actually help us to uh, get us out of the public education system versus, oh, well, you're just making it easier to stay in the public education system by making it less bad. And it, it is a a, a regular argument here the, among libertarians. The answer, of course, is freedom and choice, right? Allow parents to decide what kind of programs they want for their specific children. And then other parents, when they communicate with you know parents who are finding something that works, maybe they'll try that. Maybe that didn't work for their kids. And then, you know, it, it's really about the individual. It always has been. And the state makes it about not the individual. Well, and, and it can be very difficult to to afford the, the kind of education that you want, though. Well, I do have a little bit of good news, and that is nearly 2 million fewer students have enrolled in public school. Nationwide. Yeah, nationwide. Okay. So according to the Hill.com, an article, uh, a poll from Education Next uh, found that enrollment in public schools has dropped by 4% over the last two years. That represents nearly 2 million students. Yeah, I definitely heard that uh, homeschooling had jumped from like 5% to 10%, and that's an enormous change. Ian, uh, you're going to stick with us. We're going to get into your book. You wrote a book. I think you've written more than one. I see a couple of them under your name on Amazon. But the one we're going to talk about tonight is 14, How the 14th Amendment Ate the First Ten. We're talking about the U.S. Constitution, Bill of Rights, the... Uh, the 14th Amendment there. What is it? We're going to find that out because a lot of people might not know right off the top of their heads being this number 14. It doesn't get a lot of coverage. Uh, so we're going to find out more with Ian Underwood, the author of that book. And your calls and thoughts are welcome later. It's Free Talk Live. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live, the live Saturday show. You can join us here at 603-283-6160. And if you've got a question for Ian Underwood, he is an early mover, Free State Project participant, having moved here to New Hampshire with his wife Jody in 2007. They founded Bardo Farm out in Croydon, which has been a tremendous success and feeds I don't know how many people. It seems like everybody's got in the Liberty community some meat in their fridge or freezer from... Uh, from Bardo, we're thawing out some, the, I think some pork right the now. The sweet Italian sausages are my faves. Yeah, those are really good. Uh, so, but we're not here to talk so much about farming. Uh, he was on tonight to actually 
talk about his new book, but we spent the first hour discussing Croydon and the educational uh, conflict that has gone down there uh, this year that got uh, some pretty major press earlier this year. If you had a question about any of those things, you're certainly welcome to join us here. And Ian is still on the line with us, spending a significant amount of time with us here tonight. So I appreciate your uh, your time, uh, Ian. And did you have any, before we get into 14, your book, did you have any other comments on education topics that we've been discussing that you wanted to get out there? Um, yeah, I, the only thing is it just, it's, it's depressing how much how little the discussion about this has been about education. And, you know, we're going to talk about 14, but I have, you know, a bunch of books coming out. Three of those are about education, and that really has to do with how do you deal with this discussion. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with being much clearer about what we mean by fairness. Yeah, it um, sounded uh, anyway. it sounded for a moment like uh, you were going to give me some pushback on uh, the affordability of uh, of the education that people wanted, uh, but we kind of headed into a commercial break. Oh, I mean, the affordability, you know, so one of the things, and I would like to get this out, I mean, one of the things that was interesting to me was um, in the pamphlet and in, you know, at meetings where I spoke, I said, look, we... we we need to actually figure out what it is we're trying to do because otherwise we can only do we can only succeed by accident. And so, for lack of a better idea, you know, I'm just quoting the Supreme Court from the state Supreme Court from 1998 saying that it's the state's responsibility to provide every educable child with the opportunity to get the knowledge and learning necessary to participate intelligently in the economic, political, and social systems of free government. And Regardless of how they arrived at that, you could take that as a starting point. And if you do that, the system we have would, would look very, very much different than the system that we have now. And so what was funny was, you know, immediately, again, people were like, that's just a crazy free stater idea. That's just, it's antisocial. It's anti-kid. It's anti-everything. And it's like, it's, it's, the, it's the state Supreme Court from 20 years ago. You know, do you think it was infiltrated by free staters? Right. What do you think happened there? But it's just... Um, so I, I've actually taken the position that if we just took that sentence seriously, we would be able, we would get a much better educational result and we would pay a lot less. So that is sort of the point that I've been trying to make, really, if you sum it up in one small sentence, is that we can't get a better education for kids by spending more, but we might be able to do it by spending less. And that is the message that totally got lost. Well, one thing's for sure, you're never going to get a decent education out of the government because they have no competition. It doesn't matter if they do a crappy job. They almost always get more money every single year, and anything that goes in the opposite direction is is a good thing. Hopefully we can get more free staters, more liberty-loving people to migrate here to New Hampshire, make life even more difficult for the government-loving <laughs> status out there, frustrate the hell out of them, and hopefully they will end up leaving, making it even more difficult for the few that remain. Ian, you wrote a book. It's uh, more than one, I think. This is this was published a little earlier this year is is 14 is it your first book and what inspired it it is it's uh it's my first book um and what inspired it was that i kept having these conversations with people and listening to conversations with people where they would you know either physically or metaphorically hold up their copy of the constitution and say you can't do this the government can't do this it can't take away our guns it can't tell us what to say and of course you look around and they're doing all of this stuff. And so I, I sort of asked myself, they you know, can and yeah, are. If it, so I, I, I sort of posed myself the question, if I was a Martian and I came down and I looked at the rules of this game 
that's being played, and I looked at the way it's being played. If you look at any other game, like baseball or chess or Pokemon, for crying out loud, there are these rules, and everybody follows the rules, and everything that happens you can explain by looking at the rules. Even if you can't, even if you can't predict what's going to happen, you can explain it. And you look at the game called government, and that just goes out the window. And so I was looking for an, a way to explain what's actually going on. In, in essence, I'm saying, what's the real rule book here? Right. And it turns out that the answer to that is heavily related to the 14th Amendment. I see. Okay, what is the 14th Amendment? Can you uh, recap for listeners yeah. that may not be familiar? Yeah, so the, the 14th Amendment basically says um, the, the Bill of Rights, as written, as ratified, applies only to the federal government. So the Bill of Rights says that Congress can't make a bill restricting freedom of speech, but Massachusetts can. It says that Congress can't take your gun away, but New Hampshire can, right? It didn't apply to the state, particularly. And so the 14th Amendment was like this uh, political miracle where Congress and the states got together, passed and ratified something saying, we are going to give up some power, which is unbelievable in retrospect. Um, and the way they gave up power I was certainly don't the, believe Bill it. Rights, the Bill of Rights actually applies to the states too. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. And so... The, the great, but the first chance that it came up for the Supreme Court to rule on it, they completely just destroyed that by reinterpreting it to say, oh, when you're talking about the privileges and immunities of the citizens of the United States, by which Congress and all the state legislatures meant the Bill of Rights, they said, oh, that only applies, that means rights that were created because the United States exists, like the right to travel across the street, the state line without a passport. Right, which which was never under dispute. There would be no point in passing an amendment to say that. So they destroyed that, and so the result was it, many decades later, um, some Supreme Court justices decided, well, maybe we were a little too hasty. Maybe the state should have to, for instance, respect some aspects of freedom of speech. Well, how are we going to do this? Because we just destroyed the privileges and immunities clause. But there's a second clause in the 14th Amendment which says everybody is entitled to due process under law. So they created an oxymoron called substantive due process, right? So if you have something that's going on, you separate it into substance, which is what you're doing, process, which is how you do it. And so substantive due process is the substance of the process, which is nothing, but that's okay. Because if you're a Supreme Court justice, you wave your hands and people just assume you know what you're doing. Hmm. Yeah, th- so this, all, this said, all sounds very, very confusing. It is, and it's supposed to be confusing. But the, the basic idea is if you can then, if the court decides that some right is part of substantive due process, then it is incorporated against the state under the 14th Amendment. So this is a phrase that many people have heard. Oh, look, the Second Amendment got incorporated. Oh, the Fourth Amendment got incorporated under the 14th Amendment. So... You have this phrase, substantive due process. So what does that mean? Uh, it doesn't mean anything. But what it has, the way it's been explained is to say, well, if something is implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, then it is, co- it is part of substantive due process. So now you've got two empty phrases. All right, hold that thought, Ian. I want to continue with this. And I didn't even realize how long the 14th Amendment it's was. It's pretty likely. Pretty I've been yeah. browsing it myself. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. If you've got a question for Ian Underwood, he's on the line. He's the author 
of 14, how the 14th Amendment ate the first 10. It is available through Amazon, Kindle, and or paperback versions. There's more coming up here on Free Talk Live. We think podcasting our full radio show has been holding us back. Most podcasts aren't two hours long per show, and the constant resetting we do for radio might be turning off podcast listeners. Riley's Daily Digests have been going for years, so we're going to lengthen them and make them our official podcast starting September 1st. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll continue, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. FTL Amps will continue to receive the full radio show with no commercials via podcast through Patreon, so please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. got a question for Ian Underwood. Your call, call will be given priority. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. If you really want liberty in your lifetime, you ought to check out the Free Cities Foundation's annual conference called Liberty in Our Lifetime. It's happening in Prague this year. October 21st through the 23rd, we'll be showcasing autonomous cities and intentional communities that are springing up around the world, offering opportunities for settlers to live freer lives. Free Private Cities is offering Free Talk Live listeners a 20% discount on tickets, which you can use code FTL20 to receive at your checkout over at their website, LifetimeLiberty.com. That's LifetimeLiberty.com, code FTL20. You can join our co-host, Mark Edge, who will be speaking at the event uh, in Prague from October 21st through the 23rd for Liberty in Your Lifetime. We go back to uh, Ian Underwood. He's an early mover with the Free State Project, and uh, he's uh, an activist who got something done earlier this year in the town of Croydon. We spent the first hour on uh, the school board fiasco that happened there. Uh, If you missed that part of the conversation, just go grab the archive later tonight at freetalklive.com, and you can find that there. But, Ian, you were just getting into telling us about your book, your first book, and you do have yeah. others on the way. Your website, by the way, is bareminimumbooks.com, and that's where you can learn uh, what some of the upcoming books are. Nice URL. Yeah, I like the one that's coming up apparently soon. is going to be called Licenses Are the New Draft Cards, What COVID-19 Taught Us About Occupational Licensing. That sounds like a good one, too. Hey, uh, I do but, have a quick question for Ian before he gets into his book. Yeah. Uh, your middle initial is an O for, like, Oscar or something, is it? It would just be really unfortunate if your parents, you know, made you into I-O-U. <laughs> No, it's it's M. Uh, it's okay, all right. Well, all right, yeah. so you were, I am you. I am you. You were beginning <laughs> to tell you. us, uh, Ian, about the 14th Amendment, which uh, this is what your book focuses on. And please pick up uh, kind of where you left off or, or recap slightly, whatever you, you want to do here. Okay, I mean, you're right that some of it, it seems complicated, but the, the amendment itself is not complicated. It's very straightforward. It says, one, the states have to obey, they, they have to respect the Bill of Rights, and two, everybody's entitled to due process. That's basically it. You know, they use fancier language. Um, but the, the story is really about how the courts killed it and then brought it back to life. And so the, the analogy I'm using is the, the, the rights in the Bill of Rights, because of the way this all happened, are sort of zombie rights. Mm-hmm. You know, a zombie is not all there. They're just sort of, 
you know, crawling around um, blindly. And that's that's sort of how rights are. And so the idea is that the way that it, that it ate the first 10 is you start out with a fairly absolute right. And then the 14th Amendment dilutes the way the states have to deal with it. And then that becomes the de facto way that the federal government deals with it. And so your right to keep and bear arms says, well, you know, maybe you can have uh, a magazine with seven rounds, but not 10, or you can have a pistol in your home, but not an AR uh, it, at the rifle range. Or it says, yeah, you know what, we we can t- we can uh, search you at an airport without, you know, probable cause, without any kind of warrant for any reason at all, because you, we only we only like, only certain parts of your right to privacy are implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. So I, I do want to make this point that the, there is a, a theme to these books. It's not a theme exactly, but it's it's the way they're written. Every one of these books started out as a talk that I gave. So it's somewhere between 20 and 40 minutes. And the, the way they're written is similar to a book, a wonderful book called This is Water by David Foster Wallace. And so every page is like one sentence or a paragraph or an illustration. And so it is the idea of bare minimum books is to tell you in the with the least amount of you know fooling around what it is you need to know about this topic so you can read this in one sitting Hmm. um and the idea is that it should be something which at first actually does seem very complicated and then at the end you go okay that wasn't as complicated as i thought it was i'm still angry about it but at least now i understand it well and (laughs) so that's sort of the effect i want well and i'm definitely interested in finding out because i i've absolutely noticed that they say that we have all of these rights, but as far as I can tell, not a single one of them is actually defended. Well, exactly. And so, again, the 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 state we're in now is that you can reduce the Bill of Rights to a single sentence, and it's this. You have the right to do anything that is implicit in the concept of ordered liberty unless there's a compelling government interest in preventing you from doing it. The, and the book is essentially explaining well, hold on. how we You're, got you're to that using point. a phrase that I I am really not familiar with. A compelling government interest. What does that mean? It's whatever they say. It means <laughs> it, it means that the government decides that there is some interest that it has in preserving the appearance of democracy, or making people feel safe, or you know, uh, promoting public health, or whatever. That's a compelling government interest, and it overrides whatever rights you think you might have. Ah. So and did that wording, the compelling government interest thing, come up in one of these Supreme Court cases that you researched? Yes. Yes, it actually has. Um, mm-hmm. And so is implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. And in fact, if you look at the recent, uh, I think it's Dobbs that overturned Roe v. Wade, you see this phrase, concept of ordered liberty, implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, all over the place. The book explains what that is or what it isn't and what they're pretending it is. So, yes, the, the, sort of the point of, of the book is if you read this, you will then be able to read things like, uh, you know, that that uh, that decision or the, the decision on the gun laws in New York. And you'll actually see what's going on in those decisions and you'll understand. And that's after you spend, you know, like 20 to 30 minutes reading the book. So. Very cool. Uh, the book, again, is available. You can go to bareminimumbooks.com. It'll link you over to Amazon. His name is Ian Underwood. Uh, Ian, was there uh, something we should have asked you tonight that you felt like we didn't get to? Um, so the, just I, I would point out that three of the books that are coming out 
are going to be about education. Okay, cool. And so that's really the, you know, the, the topic that I'm most passionate about is trying to reframe the discussion. It's what we were trying to do with the lower budget. That was the whole point of it. People think it was about saving money, and it is about saving money because you have people who are being, you know, made, they have to decide every month should they eat or pay my school taxes. So it is about money, but it's really about having a serious discussion about what it is we're trying to do and what the best way to do that might be. So there will be three books coming out that are all about education. Um, and I hope people will look at those, and I hope that those will come out and influence, it will at least cause us to, to people to start having that discussion, which they're not now. Nice. Mostly I, now they're... I can't express it any you know more, but I'll, I'll try. Uh, my feeling is that education of children... That is to say, getting them out of the public schools and into you know either private schools or homeschooling or private tutoring, whatever it is, and teaching them about the reality of what the state is, is probably going to be the most effective strategy to bringing about freedom. I think that's true. Uh, but I will tell you, one, the title of one of the books is The Libertarian Case for Public School. So I would, I would love to come back on once that's been out and talk to you about it and get your feedback on it. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, You've been a great guest, uh, really informative, and appreciate the, the story from the first hour and all the info. So, Ian Underwood, thank you. Again, he's the author of 14, and it's spelled in Roman numerals XIV, How the 14th Amendment Ate the First Ten. Check him out, and thanks for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate your time. Thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Yeah, it's Ian Underwood from uh, Croydon, New Hampshire, early mover for the Free State Project. And it just goes to show... The impact that one person can have on the pro the process here. New Hampshire yeah. is a small place. The town meeting that he attended had 40-something people at it. And he persuaded enough people at that town meeting to reduce that school budget. It was overturned later, but still... It was a success at that time. And, and got national press. Exactly. Yeah. It may have been overturned, but not before it caught everyone's attention. One True. guy in a town of, what did he say, seven, 800 people? Yeah, whatever it is. One people. guy in a tiny town got national press for being a principled person. Yep. And it also shows that it doesn't actually take that much to change the world. I mean, all mm -hmm. it takes is like one town that shows, hey, we are spending way more money than we're actually getting in education. You can spend a reasonable amount of money and get the same amount of education. And as soon as you prove that, well, all of these other programs are up for grabs. Coming up, what are the Info Warriors? No, we're not talking about Alex Jones no. here. This is the other side of, the, of it. Uh, and, Captain, you've got a story about that on the way. Plus, Beard Talk Live is coming up later tonight on our uncensored video feed, video.freetalklive.com. More coming up. It is Free Talk Live. The phones are now open for anybody to call in about anything you want. Normally, guests, which we did have one at the beginning of the show. Ian Underwood was with us. We restrict calls, but now those calls are unrestricted. And you can join us at 603-283-6160. Bring up whatever you want to discuss. And speaking of unrestricted calls, there will be even more unrestrictions, even less, fewer restrictions coming up later tonight. Uh, through Are we taking calls? I don't know if we've decided that or not. I guess not, that's but, up to you guys. Yeah, okay. I guess that's up to you. But maybe, it, won't, maybe you guys won't take calls. We'll, I don't know. We'll tune I mean, in tonight to find yeah, out whether yeah. we're taking 10 calls 10.30 p.m. Or not. 
There will be phone lines here, should they wish to take calls. <laughs> One uh, thing I know will be here, that's beards. Do, uh, during Beard Talk Live, and I did do the research, Captain, that you did not do before the show. Before I made a bold claim. claim. You made a bold claim, and I, I had to shoot it down. Uh, I've been fact-checked by the producer. <laughs> turns out there are other people with beards that do podcasts. In of fact, course. Uh, there was a what they claimed was a top ten list, but it only had seven items on it. Disqualified. So we are number eight. I presume that means there are only seven beard related podcasts out there, and and most of them don't seem to have websites, at least according to this list. Uh, but one of them d- did the number one show on that. Yeah, I got, list. I got a fat. Uh, I got to fact check that presumption. No, if you if you just like go to a, a podcatcher and mm-hmm. type in beard, you will find a lot of podcasts. Really? So yeah. Therefore, there are actually quite a few more than seven beard-based <laughs> podcasts. The beard quality of what we're about to do tonight, though, is sort of secondary. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to be specifically talking about beards. At least, you know, perhaps we'll mention it, or maybe we will. But like, it's not intended to be a a show about beards. It just yeah. so happens Darn that the people coincidental. Yeah, that the people participating mm-hmm. in the show all happen to have, I'll say, large beards. However, the men on the Beardcaster, thebeardcaster.com, got to give them some credit here. Uh, you've got a fairly lengthy beard there, Captain, but the main, it looks like main host, he's got double your length on uh, on this one. Similar beard. That's what she said. He's got the same kind of thing <laughs> going on. It's just a lot longer. And he appears, to have, he appears to have co-hosts. I'd say they're maybe about the same yeah, length okay. there. Well, and, uh, and that's one of the things. If I could get someone to challenge us in beardiness, then I would like... I would pull out the braids mm-hmm. just to, to, to fluff it out exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and he's got other people with some pretty fancy looking beards as well. So uh, well, you know, you guys got... coming back there a little bit. You know, yeah, I've always got something going on. Look at, looking I've a never... little little closer to search. Usually, I have to go to uh, to jail to actually let the thing <laughs> go. To, yeah, to get yeah. any decent yeah. girth on it. Yeah. Uh, to, to full to go full uh, Kaczynski on us. <laughs> Beard Talk Live will be later tonight. That's 10.30 Eastern Time. You can find it at video.freetalklive.com. Also on the other various video streaming platforms that you'll find us on. So look for that later tonight. Let's go to the phones here. David is in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live, and then we'll get to Info Warriors coming up. Yeah, following up where we got cut off uh, last time. And I have Ian, no idea where that was. So you're going to have to recap. Um, Ian, you had suggested that uh, the one, the point I was trying to illustrate is that Judge John J. Romero Jr., who signed on the dotted line to be an air traffic controller hired by the U.S. government, and then decided he didn't want to follow the terms of his contract, but that he should be able to not follow the rules of his contract and still keep his job. You suggested that the moral of the story I was trying to uh, present was that here a judge in a court, uh, in a government, that believes in following what is written down in law in black and white on paper. So they claim. Uh, did, right, yeah, did, did not do that. That's one of the points. The other point was that, uh, you know, if you're looking at the traditional hiring process, especially in sensitive jobs, uh, however one may determine that, a uh, judge is probably some sort of sensitive job. So when you go to apply to be a judge, like this federal judge that's hearing your case, for instance, if you want that job as a federal judge or a state judge like John J. Romero Jr., um, they might look at your resume from your previous career. You suspect you can't just come out of high school and say, I want to be a judge, and they say, okay, 
usually they they would look at your resume and your your qualifications and they would do some background checking mm-hmm. but when they do some background checking on John J Romero Jr they're going to find out that he dis, he was insubordinate to his employer who happened to be the his boss was the president of the United States and the president of the United States gave him a direct order to go back to work and the insubordinate employee judge John J Romero Jr refused to follow that lawful order because um, it's never been proved unlawful, and, uh, and he was fired. And, and then he subsequently, uh, in rather short order, not only got himself hired by, as a judge uh, by the state of New Mexico, but before that he, he did two other things. One, he, was, uh, he applied and was scrutinized and was accepted into the University of New Mexico Law School, and so that questions the discretion of the University of New Mexico Law School. And then after he was accepted and finished law school, he uh, uh, the bar he applied to the bar and the mm-hmm. bar accepted him. Well, and these things he... don't surprise me that you're bringing up because these are positions that, as much as some people would deny it, are absolutely political positions. And as much as uh, the rest of life, you know, life in politics is about who you know. And I suspect this guy knew some people. And yeah, he certainly... that's my first question is, who does this guy know to be able to get away with all this stuff? Yeah, and don't There's forget, New Mexico is also a uh, generally considered a lefty state. And you're talking about a time period in which Ronald Reagan was the president that gave that order for those uh, air traffic controllers to go back to work. And so it could very well be a badge of honor seen by other leftists in the law the legal profession of like oh well you t- you stuck it to that president yeah here come on into our the law Trump school of his age as you know? it were could have been as simple as that what do you think david yeah i think you're right on in fact one of your uh, suggestions there was a perfect uh, segue um that i intended to, to uh, touch on uh, in a future time on this generation justice article on judge john g romero um, where they go through uh, his his basic his entire career and several things that are very uh, uh, telling come out and one of them um, as we've or I have uh, suggested about the state of New Mexico being incestuous and nepotistic mm-hmm. in its government and amongst other things is John uh, J Romero talks about where he came from in the state and it exactly matches where the the um, Enclave is the exact words used by people that, that are part of this enclave in northern New Mexico, surrounding Santa Fe and north of Santa Fe. There is the, the old, um, going back to the king and queen, literally, of uh, Spain. These people came to these shores across Mexico up into the Rio Grande Valley and going north uh, in, on that valley up into the mountains, uh, along the valley and up in the mountains of New Mexico. And they've been resentful of any outsiders ever since. They are the original people that were not Indians, Native Americans, mm. that came to this country that, as, as documented anyway, without going into whether Vikings... And he was part of that, uh, the lineage? That's, yes. That's mm-hmm. Romero is one of the original 11 or 13 family names. So, yeah, so he goes way back, basically. He's, he's got yeah, family he connections that, uh, that go way back. Thank you, David, for the call tonight. It's like that around here in New England. There's certain old family names out in, like, Keene, New Hampshire area where we're at that are just, they're everywhere. They've been around for, gener- you know, from the very beginning of the, the first colonists yeah. who came over and they, they stayed put. And they've got influence. And they're the good old boy network.
I wonder if that guy, John J. Romero, is related to Cesar Romero, the OG Joker on the uh, 70s and oh, 60s, Batman? 60s Batman series. Uh, yeah. Don't know. Good question. So uh, I, I had a thought that I didn't really uh, get a chance to say while we were on the subject of education. And it's just that frequently when I talk to people about education, they lose the ability to think rationally and reasonably and move into a sort of like uh, a mythological mindset, if you will. Like there's they become very emotionally based in their in their perspective rather than uh, uh, logically based or factually based. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Like the it, the subject of education seems to trigger something in a lot of people. You mean like if you were to suggest the ending of the state's involvement in education, and they might flip out on you because <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the children, the yeah. children more right? than might, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's something about, uh, and it may just be the the fact that you're you're involving children, and children do they you get know, emo- for, they make, for make people reason, emotional for good reason, tend to make people emotional. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like the the rational faculty of like, hey, maybe we should. Change check out whether this is actually effective well is it good for the children or not right exactly but that just goes away Mm -hmm. and this like myth of the 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 great teacher just sort of supplants any logical Mm. considerations of like is this actually a good thing is this actually working well one of the difficulties you run up against is you are talking to the bulk of the population was it 90 percent of them went to government school so odds are you're talking to somebody who went through that system even if they at the time thought it sucked Later on, they usually come to the conclusion of, well, you know, I turned out okay. Must be all right. Yeah, people say the same thing for, like, spanking and child abuse. They yeah, do. i got to make sure to repeat the trauma that was done to me. They sure do. Uh, we can continue the discussion. Your calls and thoughts are welcome. We'll find out what the info warriors for the UN are coming up here in hour number three on the way. This is uh, Free Talk Live. You can join us. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open. If you want to join us, we're kicking off the third hour of the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. The captain has come to tell us tonight about what are the info warriors... And who is recruiting these people? Are being recruited by the United Nations. Well, the World Economic Forum. Or one or the other. They're both bad news. We'll we'll learn more about it coming up here. But first, we go to the phones and your calls and thoughts. It's uh, Ian Peekless Mountaineer and Captain Kickass. But uh, Major Payne is on the line in Michigan. Go ahead. Hey, Ian. Hey. Do you you got a beard, dude? Uh, Not a big one. I mean, but I do have facial hair. It's coming in. There is, uh, I guess, right. technically it's a beard. I was, I was, I was just going to say I'd take third, third chair on the bearded crew here for a minute. I, I always kind of imagined you having a beard. I, <laughs> I can't know? imagine you so, not having one, actually, yeah. Major. There you go. There you go. Arr. Anyway, um, evidently there's an E. coli outbreak that Uh-oh. came from Wendy's in four different states. Wait, E. coli, and- is that the electronic version of coli? Yeah, okay. <laughs> e. coli? If, if, if you can figure out a way to plug in ro- romaine lettuce, I'll go with that. The apple version would be mm-hmm. I. coli? Okay. Well, hey, you yeah. can plug just about anything into the wall you want to if you're if you're dead set on it. Well, Doesn't here, go well, I, but I, you I, can. I got I got to give you a little preface on this one. Irradiation, you know, the microwave oven, 
Mm-hmm. That was the first way they learned to kill tumors was by irradiating them. Now, if you take a normal plate of food and irradiate it to it reaches, you know, like a boiling point, rats and cockroaches, the two ancient survivors, won't touch it. Right. Wow. Mm. You, you might as well be eating drywall paste. It takes all the nutrition right out of it. Wow. But uh, I smell Monsanto here because they have came up with a lettuce that will not wilt in the microwave. Why would you want to microwave that lettuce? That's terrifying. These, these sandwich machines, you know. Also, what in God's name did they have to do to the lettuce to get it to not yeah, wilt right? in the microwave? Yeah. I have I have no idea, but this takes wax fruit to a whole new concept. Dude. No kidding. Yes, That's it scary. does. Uh, in fact, uh, I think we were talking a little bit about food production with our guest, Ian Underwood, earlier. Mm-hmm. And I always like to point out that food production uh, has only been outside of the household for one, maybe two generations. Like, it yep, wasn't yep. that long ago that uh, every household participated in their own food production that is canning, growing, preserving, you know, uh, butchering, you know, all that stuff, freezing, preserving in other ways. You know, every grandma, every grandma I knew canned. Yep. Them old Polish women, you couldn't leave their table without being a fat man. They'd feed you till you about pop. (laughs) Or the old Italian ones, they'd be like, oh, you like my cooking? Yeah, well, here's a whole plate full more. No, no, I'm full. What, you don't like my cooking? (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. Go ahead and refuse the third serving of pineapple upside down cake. I dare you. But I got yeah, one as, more. As I've heard, I like heard if you want, if you want like a lot of food, you ask for a little bit of food, and if you want none, then you ask mm. for none. Or if you want a little, you ask for none. And if you actually want none, you will have to kill them. One more thing on the microwave, right quick. If you boil a cup of water and you water seeds with it, they'll never sprout. I have not heard that before. That is interesting. Thank you, Major. Loaded with interesting information tonight. Well, hey, that's a home science experiment we can try. The number is 603-283-6160. What are the Info Warriors? And again, you uh, pointed out this is not Alex Jones. Not Alex Jones. Nope. Uh, is he still in business, by the way? Oh, yeah. After the the big judgment against yeah, no, him, he's. I mean, he's still in. Uh, he's still in business. He's, uh, according to him, struggling quite a bit. I but, heard a uh, rumor. Now, I didn't check the validity of this. They uh, they hit him with this ridiculous civil lawsuit. For those that don't know, uh, and you know, I, we've had our. We all have our own opinions about Alex Jones. I. I find him to be a likable character. I don't know what he really is as far as you know what his real, real beliefs are. I thought he was better before Trump, and then he went total statist uh, during Trump. He's kind of getting better now that Trump's gone, but I'm sure he'll go all googly-eyed well, over some other was, politician. He, I think he was very let down by what you know what was yeah. promised versus what was actually I, delivered with Trump. I mean, welcome to the United States of America, yeah. but like you would think that a guy who espoused so much uh, you know, anti-statism sentiment mm. uh, would have learned— but, but you can't it, trust you know, these people. It, he's, yeah, I yeah. mean, to me, he's just another Trumpanzee. But he's an entertaining Trumpanzee. He has he a show, and and he shouldn't have and an audience and all that kind of thing. So I'll respect him for that. Yeah, and he shouldn't have a judgment against him for saying no. something ridiculous on the air, yeah. which is ultimately what this whole case uh, came about. I know you didn't bring in this story, but uh, no, we can talk about just it. to bring it up real yeah. fast. Jones was sued, I believe, by two of the parents. That uh, Sandy Hook were one of the Sandy Hook kids that were killed. Uh, you know, however many years ago this was now, a decade or something like that, a long time ago. Yeah. 
Uh, and Jones said something ridiculous about it not being real. It's a big yeah. hoax or whatever. And and they sued him over this. It's like, how can you possibly, in a supposedly freedom of speech country, yeah. go after somebody for having a kooky conspiracy theory about something? I mean, that is so or, insane. And the jury ruled in their favor and ruled against Jones. Yeah, how on earth can it be a crime to be wrong about something? Yeah, like, it's or, nuts. I mean, I mean, like, uh, honestly, I think he was trying to figure out what was actually happening, and he just, he was wrong. Yeah. The thing is, if you're doing a show, I don't care if it's television, radio, it's live performance, whatever, yeah. the, the number one thing that you have to do is be engaging and or entertaining. Yeah. Right? So if you're not engaging, then you must be entertaining. And so I believe Alex Jones is far more entertaining than he is correct. Mm-hmm. Right now, other people are going to argue and they're going to have their opinions. He's right about that's some fine. things. He, he is absolutely, and he's been no. right about some things that I was like, "Wow, I guess uh, Alex Jones is right about that." Yeah. Right? You know, so yeah. like, but like being entertaining. Now, entertainment can mean a lot of things, right? It can mean using your imagination. Mm-hmm. It can mean uh, stating things the opposite of what they are, mm-hmm. or it can be making just making stuff up, right? F- pure fiction. Like I can right. say, Sandy Hook was not real. Oh my Uh-oh, God! Am Captain. I going to get sued? You might. Am I going to get sued now you by might. these two same mfers? This well, is a and, disturbing uh, precedent, and it's worth keeping in mind. Like, okay, news channels like Fox News, for example, they have no problem getting through court and saying, "What? We're an entertainment company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have to report things as they are. We don't have to tell the truth because we're an entertainment." That's right, and that's exactly what they find in court. Whereas him. He is very clearly entertainment. Are people going to be able to sue Anthony Fauci for saying that, oh, no, the vaccine is 100% safe No, he's effective. government. He's protected. Right. Uh, but the thing I wanted to bring up was the rumor I had heard about this lawsuit and the verdict in this case. So it was first there was a verdict of compensation of $4.5 million. And then there was the punitive verdict, which came out to, I think, $45 million at that point. Mil- but... There, the rumor is is that there's a law in Texas that limits punitive verdicts to only 750000 per quote-unquote victim, which would mean that if that's true, and that's the rumor, I have not verified that it's true, that the $45 million is not required to be paid in Texas because this was a Texas case. Mm. It was heard in a Texas court or something. And so it would only be $1.5 million in that case, which in which case Jones could probably recover from that. The other rumor was what I heard from Vincent uh, was that somebody donated $5 million worth of Bitcoin to Jones a few days after the $4.5 million hmm. uh, verdict. If, so, if that's true, that's amazing. So if all that is true, he will come out of this and he'll be able to likely survive But this. still, the, the point is, freedom of speech it's terrible isn't, what they did to, isn't to protect mm-hmm. popular things that right. are said because they're already popular. Right. right? Freedom of speech protection for that. Right. Freedom of speech is supposed to be there to protect so that people can say whatever the heck right. they want to, we whether want or not it's to true. Be on the air. We want people to be yeah. able to say whatever they want. And so the fact that there's a verdict against a guy for being on his own show and saying yeah. a thing that somebody else doesn't like, this is preposterous of epic proportions. Yeah, I hope that they, they are going to appeal this. I mean, I, I presume that they will do that uh, because this is just, it's wrong. I don't it's find it appealing at all. Yeah, uh, It's anti-freedom of speech. The number here is 603-283-6160, and it shouldn't matter what this jury thinks. It needs to get overturned. 
uh, 603-283-6160. I'm sorry those people had their feelings hurt, but you don't have the freedom to not have your feelings hurt in a country that has supposed, supposed freedom of speech. There's more on the way. Phones are open. You can bring up anything here on Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. And also, I do want to make sure you know something. Coming up, we're going to be making a change to our podcast. And we think that uh, there's How a theory. You? There's a theory that uh, podcasting a full two hour per night radio show. Because if you take a three hour radio show and you cut out all the commercial breaks and you cut out all the news breaks, you get basically two hours of sure. talk content. And we feel like that may be holding our podcast back, just because there's a lot to listen to. And secondly. We're, we think that maybe like the the constant resetting that we have to do after every break just to bring new listeners up to speed, like, oh, we're talking to Ian Underwood. You know, we always have to tell that four times an hour if we have him on for an hour or right. whatever. So uh, the the feeling is that maybe the podcast listeners don't want to hear that. And so the idea that uh, that has been agreed upon by some of the the deciding factors here at Free Talk Live is that we ought to expand the Daily Digest. Our friend Riley Blake has been cutting every single day Kicking ass at it too. a roughly 30-minute summary of our two-hour-long podcast, what he considers to be the highlights uh, from it. And he's been doing this essentially as a volunteer uh, basis. He's accept- accepted donations via cryptocurrency and I think a Patreon as well. Uh, but so the idea was, well, let's have Riley roughly double the length, go to 45 minutes to an hour instead of 25 or 30 minutes, and we'll make that the podcast, basically. We'll focus on that. The full show will still be available if you're a Free Talk Live amplifier. You can still get the whole radio show without any edits, yeah. except for just cutting commercials out. Uh, and you can so do that's that. That's going to be the uh, episodes only. Will be the extended digest, or Th- that'll be everything. The digest will be all that there is in the the main podcast, basically. So that's the idea. We're going to start doing that on September first. If you want to get the continue to get the full show with you know all two hours a night, then just go to amps.freetalklive.com. Of course, you can always listen live. You can always go and grab the video show archives over at video.freetalklive.com. So there's plenty of ways to get the full show. There's there's our 24 seven audio stream at listen dot freetalklive.com but the idea was like you know maybe if we make a podcast that's more palatable to what podcast listeners are kind of used to hearing yeah. maybe it'll get more shares maybe more people will listen i don't know maybe it'll fall completely on its face huh. i have no idea wait so you mean uh, somebody went out and sort of looked at what the industry standard is and decided that it was best to do uh, sort of something that falls within the parameters of best industry practices without the state telling us what to do yeah, it only took us 15 years to uh, to do it, Captain. But I'm just know. saying that it is possible for industry standards to be set and adhered to 
voluntarily yeah, sure. without state intervention. That's yeah. all. Well, and, and that is a frequent argument of uh, even minarchists of the the necessity of a state is like, oh, well, without someone having a top-down uh, uh, infrastructure, then your roads won't connect to each other. Right, yeah. And it's like, well, like, of course like, they will. Like humankind put together the, the internet, right? One of the greatest networks ever conceived of, much less put together. But somehow roads won't connect together. Right. Mm. Yeah, so that's going to be a change that's coming soon. Hopefully it'll you know, be a it. positive one. We'll see. Uh, let's go to your phone calls and thoughts here. We have Jill on the line in Virginia. Jill, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, there are two things I was thinking about. One was the thing you mentioned about education. The other is the postal service. Okay. Some people who are, compa- who are passionately in favor of, uh, of public education, I think in some cases it may be parents who send the, who want to send the kids to school to get them out of the house because they don't want to be bothered with them. Babysitting. They want to have an excuse to get rid of them. Basically yep. daycare for uh, people up to the age of 18. That is how it functions. Yeah. And I think that might be the case. Not all parents, not maybe the ones who go to the school board meetings and raise some eights like they ought to, but it might be the case. As for postal service, what I'm telling you is this. I live in a building, in an apartment building where there's an outbox. The the postal carriers don't always pick up the mail from the outbox. I was told at the post office they were not obligated to come and check. Okay, but I would think they'd still be obligated to come and pick up the mail from the outbox if they come to deliver any. Seems reasonable. Mine says he talked to one, one postal carrier, and he said he was not obligated to take the mail from the outbox. Well, see, here's oh, your no? first mistake. You, you think that government is obligated to do anything. Mm. Like, government does not have obligations. They have all the power. Well, Postal Service is a private agency. Not oh, yeah? Then why do they have a monopoly? Oh, yeah. Great point. There was a woman in another, si- another state who had her own mail-carrying business, and the government made her shut down. Yep. And I yeah. think that they should be either made to do made to do the job or else made to give up the monopoly. I'm glad you brought that up, Jill, be because nice. it's the perfect answer to this. Most people don't realize that that's the case with the Postal Service because they think, oh, well, there's FedEx. There's you. No, 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 no. They have a monopoly on first-class mail, right. as it is defined. And so, yes, the other companies can compete in package delivery, but anything that's quote-unquote first-class, so letter delivery and junk mail or whatever. Yeah, they can they, be the only letter carriers. That's it. And they will prosecute uh, if you try to compete with them thank you yeah. jill for the call yeah uh famously uh well among uh libertarian circles lysander spooner was right. uh was someone who made his own private and far better done uh postal service and as a response they passed new laws to make what he was already doing illegal surprise i do want to say this mm-hmm. uh, jill brought up the post office and well i remember back in the day if somebody brought a gun into a place and shot up a bunch of people, it was called going, going postal. postal. It's mm-hmm. not still called that. No, it's called mass shootings or oh, active yeah, shootings right. or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Somehow the post As office is to passive shooters. You know, right? Yes, yeah, so, right. Yeah, I, I I just sat back on the couch and people <laughs> still got shot. You know. Yeah, so the headlines say something like, another mass shooter shot up a mm-hmm. school today or whatever. Instead of saying, another person goes postal and We need to bring that a, back. I, let's bring it back, man. You're going postal. You ever seen the, the movie Postal? 
Maybe. <laughs> You'd remember it if you did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a video game called Postal. And there's actually been, I think, two sequels to it. And it's generally considered one of the most offensive I've heard video of this game. games yes. that has ever been made. I mean, mm. you they just there's no sacred cow as far as this this <laughs> video game series is concerned. And there's this notoriously bad director called Uwe Boll. Yeah, yeah. Done, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, he made. Uh, I know exactly. Oh, who God, that what's the name? Oh, it's called is. Rampage. Rampage Two. Yeah, Rampage I've never three. seen those movies, but I've heard of them, uh, and Blood they're Rain. supposedly terrible. Yeah, Blood Rain is another one. He's just got a whole just bunch of hackneyed, terrible, <laughs> low budget. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Rampage series. Yeah, if, if you appreciate a movie that is so bad that it's good, yeah, then you might enjoy it. Then he's, yeah. he's a, a good. He's that kind of director. Yeah. Uh, check out if you've enjoyed anything that he's done. Check out Postal. Okay, uh, it was it was hilarious. I loved the hell out of that movie, and it is super offensive. I will definitely and give it a look. Like it starts with a joke about nine eleven, and it wasn't made that long after nine <laughs> eleven. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a really crazy movie. Uh, there's more coming up here. We got open phones as always at 603-283-6160. We still have to talk about the Info Warriors, not the Alex Jones kind. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live's live Saturday show. Yeah! It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join us here. The number where you can take control of the airways, you can bring up anything you want at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, you've got Ian. Nicholas Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass is here. And, of course, uh, you can join us online. One of the things you can do on the website for us is to go to the AMPS program. It's uh, a Patreon. You go to amps.freetalklive.com. And I want to thank Timothy Conrad for being a platinum level supporter, which means Timothy's doing at least 25 bucks a month. So five times what we normally request, which is just five bucks a month. So thank you, Timothy, for doing that. AMPS.freetalklive.com is where you can go and join that and get get a few benefits from doing that as well on our Patreon at amps.freetalklive.com. We go to John in Delaware. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, the Internal Revenue Service was formed in 862 by President Lincoln to uh, pay for the Civil War that the Democrats started to keep slaves. And um, it was enacted at a, I think it was a 3% um, tax on anybody who made over $800 annually. The thing about it is that 10 years after the IRS was put into effect to go after people for this uh, 3% federal income tax, the federal income tax was abolished by Congress, but the IRS, they, they still stuck around. Now, that always seems to be the case, you guys. Mm. When did they abolish the earlier. income tax? I don't remember hearing about that. Well, look into it, man. Yeah, Ten, as far that's, as it, that's what I read. Yeah, I, as far I, as I, I know, the, the IRS was, uh, was created in, federal, uh, in 1913 federal income along, tax, with, uh, yeah. al- along with uh, uh, the fiat currency system. Like okay. they created but, the but, the Fed and the IRS uh, the, the same time at the same time, yeah. Eighteen sixty-two, correct? No, uh, nineteen thirteen. The IRS was created in nineteen thirteen. Yeah, pretty sure. Uh, you, pretty sure it was by the same act that uh, created the Federal that, yeah. Reserve. Now the IRS was formed by Abraham Lincoln to collect um, July first, eighteen sixty-two, for the huh. Civil War. 
Yeah, Look yeah. it up, guys. No, I, mean, I, I, I could be I wrong. just did, John. 1862, President Lincoln signed into law a revenue-raising measure to help pay for Civil War expenses. Although Thank Wikipedia you. says the name IRS comes from 1918, so maybe they renamed it mm. a okay, little bit later. Renamed it. My, my point was that, yeah. that, that the, um, you know, it never got abolished. It was put in place to collect the, you know, war tax money to pay for the war that the Democrats started to keep people right. as slaves, and uh, it never got abolished. It's like you guys were saying earlier. These people, that they constantly make laws. They, they have people that just make laws. Do we need that many laws? No. Why is it when these laws become useless, they don't take them off the book? Huh, weird. Well, because more laws yeah. means more lawyers, and lawyers write laws to give their buddies and themselves more business, basically. So they have an interest so like in— like an oligarchy, too, then. Sure, of course they are. Yeah, create a law, create a business. Well, remember the 13th—we were talking earlier about the 14th Amendment. The 13th Amendment that never was, but I believe came close, was to ban uh, people who were lawyers from government holding government positions, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly, and— that one didn't pass. Yeah, it would have uh, banned anyone with a uh, title of honor, uh, which includes yeah. Esquire, Esquire, which mm-hmm. means that we would have had a, a world where, like, instead of almost every single one of them being former lawyers, as we have it now, none of them would have been allowed to be lawyers and then politicians. To your point, John, I there think it are... worked out better that way. way yeah, better. Maybe a little bit. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> out of that. To, to your point, John, there are 40, somewhere around 40,000 new laws created every year in the United States. Every year. Every year. And there are so many laws in the United States that they cannot be counted. People have tried and failed. There are so many. And yet you're expected to know them all. That's right. (laughs) That's amazing. Real quick, and then I'll let you guys run. I was going to get to a point on it. My my brother, a few years back, he was walking through town, and I guess it was late at night, and uh, he didn't have a light, a flashlight or whatever. So the cop was trying to look look for something to give him a citation for, and he brought up some old law from, like, the 1800s when people still had horse and buggies, and it was, like, refusal to put a lamp on your wagon or something. They citated him under, man. So they're still using these old laws that are completely out of, out of date against people in modern times. It's just unbelievable, man. This thing needs to be knocked down and completely dismantled, and we need to start over again because it's completely corrupted, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks, John. I appreciate the call well, tonight. And the very fact that, like, once you get to the point where an ordinary person cannot know all the rules that we're supposed to live by, you failed as a society. Now, I say let's have a society where the rules are very simple. Yes. Like, do no harm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff never cruel never cowardly and if you ever are always make amends well uh, supposedly and i don't know who told me this years ago but the the terminology or this the phrase of ignorance of the law is no excuse originated back when we're talking about natural law the Mm. simple thing the concept that everyone should inherently know that hurting people and taking their stuff is wrong. wrong. That is what the ignorance of the law is no excuse thing came from, but now they just apply it to everything as though you could have some knowledge and not even the police know what right. the what the laws are. Not even lawyers know, it's not impossible. even the politicians know. Right, that's why lawyers have to specialize in one area and they don't go outside that area cuz they don't know what they're doing. Yep. And that's part of why it's so deeply mythological that there's oh well there's the law mm-hmm. and the law is is enforced equally and completely on everyone all the time. 
And it's like it's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. It, it is a purely religious perspective. Yeah. It is. Well, the it, government is a religion. It absolutely it, is. Yeah. The the idea that it would be even possible to know this many laws for anyone. Let alone, I mean, even pick they don't one, even read them. Pick one law when they just pass them. Any law and try and enforce that one law on absolutely everybody. Yeah. It won't work. Plus, they don't read them when they pass them anyway. Right? They don't bother. Yeah. Why should we? All right. So, Captain, what are the info warriors that you wanted to talk about tonight? So, uh, I'm going to preface this with this article has been fact checked, and I'll tell you what the fact check was in here in a minute. Uh, but this is from NewsPunch.com, the World Economic Forum (WEF). Announced recruitment of information warriors to control the narrative on social media. The World Economic Forum has announced that it has recruited hundreds of thousands of, quote, information warriors, unquote, (laughs) to control the Internet, policing social media and forums for misinformation and conspiracy content, which will then be systematically shut down. According to Klaus Schwab's WEF, misinformation on the Internet is an infodemic that is potentially deadly and requires a cure. <laughs> oh, Let me say that again. Wow. Misinformation on the internet is an infodemic that is potentially deadly and requires a cure. Wow. I had to look that one. I just had to see how, how widespread this term of infodemic is. This is the first time I've ever heard it. And Same. The, first re, uh, the first result is the World Health Organization. Who? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The definition of misinformation, according to the WEF, is anything they disagree with. This means the information warriors will essentially be engaged in the act of shutting down dissent. Mm -hmm. Conspiracy forums and YouTube comment sections are being targeted by the digital first responders, a.k.a. information warriors, who pretend to be ordinary users of the platform, but are actually working to disrupt proceedings and support the ideology of Klaus Schwab's WEF. Have you seen any video of these like farms? Have you heard about the like farms? I, I've heard about the like farms, but tell us more. Right. So you know that you can hire you can hire people in like China or India or mm-hmm. whatever to like your videos right. or like your social media profile or whatever. And I, I don't, it helps the algorithm. Yeah, I don't know what it costs, but it's probably not that much, right? Based on sure. where you're hiring these people. Well, some videos come out, and it's probably an old video, but I just happened to see it again this week of just racks of cell phones all hooked up with, you know, power or data or whatever on the bottom part of the phone. Just racks of, you know, hundreds of uh, cell phones that can be controlled by two people with computers that are in the same room. And so they can just send these phones to different pages or whatever and just have them like and have them comment. And and so I'm sure these info warriors with the World Economic Forum are going to be using techniques like this where one of their warriors will control many likes. Coming up, I still need to tell you about the fact check. Yeah, well, we know that's a bunch of BS, too. We'll find out about it. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Just, you know, whenever you see the words fact check, just replace it with pro-state propaganda out there. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Live Saturday show. Phones open. If you want to join us, you can in these remaining moments at 603-283-6160. But don't forget, Beer Talk Live coming up for the first time. Uh, tonight, that's 10.30 Eastern. You can watch it or listen if you want over at video.freetalklive.com. You can actually go straight to the streaming page by going to watch.freetalklive.com. Video.freetalklive.com takes you to our channel. 
you should still see the notice there. But if you want to save the click, just go to watch.freetalklive.com. The, the most bearded Liberty stream online. Yep. Uh, looking forward to it. And so, again, that'll be 1030 Eastern tonight. Don't forget, you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com, where we have our own social media platform. You can go to social.freetalklive.com, and you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners, some of the hosts of the show are there as well. It's a Mastodon-based system, so it's open source. It's self-hosted. We run the server. It's not run by some big tech, mega corporate platform. So you get a lot more freedom to express yourself over there. The uh, governor, or the candidate for governor for the Libertarian Party here in New Hampshire was banned this week from Twitter. Uh, so you never know when they're going to just go ahead and dump you after you've spent time. I think she was a couple 10,000, 10 plus 20,000, whatever. I don't know. She had tens of thousands of uh, followers there. That's all gone. All gone. So why build yourself up on their platform when you could have something a little more safe, I guess, from being taken down? Uh, Go to social.freetalklive.com. Captain, you were telling us about this new term by various different global government-type groups out there that's being bandied about called Infodemic. The World Health Organization has a whole page about it. Apparently it's a health topic, according to them. Uh, they say it's too wow. much information, including false or misleading information. Yeah, no such thing. In digital and physical environments during a disease outbreak. See, here's the thing. There's only information. There's not misinformation or disinformation. There's only or information. too much, as they say. Here. Right. There's only information. And then you were given this thing, this weird thing, like between your ears. Mm-hmm. It's called the brain. And then you are supposed to decide for yourself. Yeah. Whether or not you believe this particular information or not. And then that's how it's supposed to work. But no, they have a plan involving people. They claim to have 100,000 or something volunteers. <laughs> Announcing for this. the news on a WEF podcast. World UN, Economic Forum. Yeah. UN communicators direct, or Communications Director Melissa Fleming said so far, we've recruited 110,000 information volunteers. And we equip these information volunteers with the kind of knowledge about how misinformation spreads and ask them to serve as a kind of digital first responder (laughs) in those spaces where misinformation travels. Uh, Also known as a propagandist or a snitch. Because they're likely... Agent provocateur. So you brought up having too much information during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry, you know just way too much during our pandemic. Hmm. Yeah, that's very telling, actually. Yeah, you we only do know not what... want you to have too much information. They only want you to have what they want you to know. Right. So this author goes on to conclude the World Economic Forum are subliminally influencing the masses in order to push their narratives onto the people, which, you know, I mean, seems like a reasonable conclusion to me. Uh, they go on to say... Uh, Mm, they they cite a podcast and some people who participate in that podcast, and uh, you'll be able to listen to that when we share this uh, over our social media. Is this links. a podcast by the the World Economic Forum, or is it by the people who wrote the article that is, you're referring to? I haven't actually. Just curious. Uh, let's go to your phone calls and yeah. thoughts here. We have a caller on the line, unscreen caller. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Yes. Hi. It's David. David, you're on the air. Hey, calling from Kansas. Thanks. Uh, Listen to that last caller about all the laws that we have on the books. You know, yeah. that's why 
it's so important for people to know we can fight back and not just at the ballot box, but at jury duty. Oh, yeah. Jury nullification. Amen, brother. Amen. Way more effective, by can the way, than the ballot it? box. Can you t- can you explain what it is for our listeners that have never heard the term? Okay, so jury nullification is the idea that the jury has the ultimate say in the law and how the law is either applied or shouldn't be applied. If it's a bad law, you find them not guilty, and it nullifies the decision. It nullifies the guilt, and it essentially then nullifies the law. It's awesome. In the state that I live in, Everyone that gets arrested for a drug crime also gets nailed with or charged with no drug tax stamp. Well, how can you buy a tax stamp for something that's illegal? Mm-hmm. It's just a bargaining chip. Yep. And if people choose to plead not guilty, they they go to court, and that's one of the charges. And you know what? Every single time... If I'm ever on a jury on a drug charge, I will vote not guilty because of that law. It's a bad law. All drug laws are bad laws because they put peaceful people behind bars who've never harmed anybody else, who the worst claim against them is usually that they sold something some people don't like. Yeah. now, uh, this and, is this is something that if you bring it up while they're doing jury selection or bad even, plan. yeah, uh, they will bad kick plan. you right they off. Won't. That's right. Um, They'll freak, kick you right off. If you Keep are, it to yourself. Yeah. If you are being represented by a, uh, a member of the Bar Association, they are not allowed to bring up uh, jury nullification during the trial. Ooh, actually, that is not true really? in New Hampshire. So in New Hampshire, obviously not in this New Hampshire, d- but it is in Kansas. Yeah, it's, it's true in a lot of places. You, you, well, now that, that might be due to the fact that uh, New Hampshire is the one state where you can be represented by someone who is not a member of the Bar Association. That's true in New Hampshire, but I think that's true in, in other places. I could be wrong on that. But no, it's because there's actually been some legislation that has gone through about jury nullification here in New Hampshire. It's not a firmly established thing because there was a supreme court case that kind of overturned it and i don't want to get into all the the history of it but yeah um our very own nobody you can ask him about it tonight it was brought up during his case by his attorney who's a bar association attorney uh here who's one of the public defenders in that case it didn't work unfortunately Mm -hmm. but it it was brought up and so you are allowed to bring it up in uh, state courts in new hampshire but generally federal courts most state courts uh they will stop the trial they will, you know, reverse course. May even might even call a, you know, a mistrial or something, or somehow punish you. But that doesn't mean you can't inform jurors about their right to nullify, which is something I have spent a lot of time yeah. doing here in front of the courthouse in mm. Keene, New Hampshire, over more than a decade. And we're doing right now by telling our listeners about it. There's a great organization That's out there, right. David. I'm sure you know about them, uh, the Fully Informed Jury Association. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Another thing about jury nullification in that group is they go around from state to state and they try and help people learn about jury nullification. But in certain states, one of them being Kansas, is if you get out there and you start informing people, you stand out there on in public, public areas, funded areas. Oh, you're cutting out. Yeah, we're losing we're losing you down. there. Um, have they have they arrested people in Kansas for this? Uh, yes, yeah, someone was uh, arrested. Um, oh. Thankfully, um, the charges were dropped. 
good. Um, almost immediately. They'll probably lose a, if they actually, if the person goes to, the, the state will lose in this case. There's actually, so, yeah. a, was a, a ruling recently, the Federal Second Circuit Court of Appeals recently ruled, this is pretty fresh news as of like the last couple of weeks, uh, that a man arrested in New York, now I don't think that's the same circuit as Kansas, obviously, no. but uh, still, no, it is no. it is some, some precedent. Uh, but the Second Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that a man was wrongfully arrested for his jury nullification outreach there in New York. Because remember, yeah. they want to try to make it look like you're trying to influence a jury. But that's not the case. As long as you don't tell right. jurors which way that they should rule. And thank you uh, for your call tonight, David. I appreciate you bringing this topic up because it's definitely a, uh, an important one. As long as you're not telling jurors, hey, you should vote not guilty or you should vote guilty or whatever. If you're just informing them of, hey, this is your right. You have the right to judge the law itself, not just the facts in the case, but whether or not you think the law itself is bad or good. If you yeah. think it's bad law, even if they've proven the case beyond the shadow of a doubt, even if they caught him red-handed with a pound of marijuana, you can still say not guilty. Yeah, most people, uh, like they, they give you the impression that your job is to figure out the facts of the matter, and it's the judge's job to figure out what the law is. It's a lie. And yeah, the fact of the matter is that you are you right. are there to figure out not only what happened, but what is good, what is What's justice, the right thing to is do? actually your job to figure out yeah. as a juror. And the jury is the final check and balance on an out-of-control government, because as he pointed out, it's not just the ballot box, which as we've seen, voting doesn't make much of a difference at all in most places, but if jurors consistently refuse to convict for whatever the so-called crime is, eventually they're just going to stop charging people for it. Uh, real quick before we go, the fact check on the article about the WEF and the Information Warriors was it's actually the UN doing all the recruiting of these Information uh, Warriors. Okay. All right. Uh, coming up at 1030 Eastern at watch.freetalklive.com. Stay tuned there for Beer, Beer Talk, Talk Live. Live. And we'll see you on Free Talk Live tomorrow night. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 15th through the 18th for the 7th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Fork Fest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out in 2022. For 2023, we're going back to where it all started, the weekend before Pork Fest. Fork Fest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there June 15th through the 18th. ForkFest.Party.